Hello again, thank you for joining me today here for Bible Studies with Russ. We're picking up today in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18. Uh, we have worked our way through the introduction, through uh, these first few verses here, looking at uh, Christ and, and God and the Holy Spirit being mentioned here in chapter 1. Um, at least uh, Christ and the Holy Spirit anyway. Um, and now we're picking up here in Revelation 1 and verse 18. Again, a reminder, we are reading from the New King James. And if you have any comments or questions you'd like to make regarding this class, you can do so on the Facebook page, Bible Studies with Russ, or you can contact me through the Bible Study or BibleWayMedia.org website. There's a contact page there, and you can send us a message there that way as well. Okay, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18. Uh, let's back into verse 17. Uh, we find here the Bible says, When I saw him, I felt his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. You remember last time this was uh, Christ here speaking. He's putting his hand upon John, telling him not to be afraid, which is a common thing we find um, Christ doing throughout the gospel accounts, is telling people not to be afraid or to, or he says something to the effect of, Oh, you little faith, uh, encouraging people not to be afraid and to have faith. And no doubt we find the same idea here in verse 17. Now, verse 18, where we're picking up, says here, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. If you remember. <laughs> Years ago, I don't remember what year it came out, but the very first, um, the first of the two uh, Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr., the the bad, the main villain there. In one scene, he actually quotes this first phrase: "I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore." Uh, of course, there was no vacation anything he was talking about. He was just in the movie uh, a freak. <laughs> Revelation is commonly used in scary movies, mystery movies, horror movies, and grossly misquoted one of my favorite movies uh there was recently a remake of it but ghostbusters uh, towards the end of one of the, i believe in the first one uh they start quoting from revelation and uh talking about the judgment day well um of course hugely misapplied well we have a lot of verses and this is one that sticks out to me that is sometimes quoted today in hollywood and in true hollywood fashion they're totally misunderstood and misapplied um but here it's we find here this again who is speaking it's christ he's the only one who has he has lived who has died and rose again to live forevermore he's the first one to do that uh no one else has been able to be be alive for all eternity to die and to rise again to live forevermore he was in the beginning with god john chapter 1 verse 1 and following and so he's the only one who has done this Others uh, would die and be, be risen, and and then die again. You remember Lazarus um, was one who was he was he was a uh, Christ rose from the grave. He'd have to die again a second time. Um, Christ was the was the very first one. He uh, he was he who died, rose again, and lived forever after afterwards. Uh, so this is again him speaking. I am he, he who lives and who was dead, representing his death on the cross. Behold, I'm alive forevermore, representing his resurrection and his continual existence. He says, "I am." I'm. He says, "And I have the keys of Hades and of death." Um, this means that he has authority and power over them. Therefore, he has a power of life and death in his hands. You can also notice this in Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. 
Verse 19, he says, Write the things that which ye have seen, and the things which ye which are, and the things which will take place after this. Uh, so John is one of the instruments God used in revealing to men his urgent message. The apostles were told to write the word. This ensured the highest degree of correctness in, in, in its being permanent. Uh, have seen, which are, and which will take place. John was to write down all the things he had seen and heard and is currently seeing and the things that he would see and hear. Uh, not a reference to future events, but things that he has not yet heard yet, as of, as of Revelation 1 and verse uh, 19. Verse 20 says, The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. And again, uh, completely... Um, reveals what this is talking about the mystery is is that which he had been hidden or not known as we're looking at verse 20 but now is being revealed uh, of the seven stars which you saw the seven golden lampstands christ explains to john and us today what these objects are the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches uh, there are several ideas concerning this phrase however perhaps the most fitting interpretation is the idea the angels represent the local leadership um, again, there's several different ideas about that. You remember, what is the basic definition of an angel? Well, it's a messenger. Uh, and so it would seem that, uh, at least in my judgment, that the angels here representing the, do represent the local seven, the leadership of the local seven uh, churches there. Um, the seven lampstands you saw are the seven churches. The churches of Christ have, have lampstand, as we'll see in chapter 2. Thus, only those with the lampstand are recognized as a, as a church of Christ, a church that follows and obeys the commands of Christ and the Father. Again, only the church that has a lampstand is recognized as a church. Um, now, I have here some other things which I really don't want to, I really prefer to get to chapter 2. Uh, but I have some things regarding angels, and I'm going to just omit that from this study i'd rather do a, a study that focused on angels entirely and not just throw in talking about angels here in the middle of here in the midst of revelation um let me get to my next notes here so let's go ahead and move ahead to revelation chapter two uh but keeping in mind the most basic definition of an angel is a messenger um we know there are those well <laughs> anyway like i said Maybe in the future we'll have a, a study on angels. Uh, and if I'm honest, when I think about that, a study of angels isn't a study that one it just it's not one that piques my interest. Uh, not that I don't mind and I don't mind to study or look into it. Um, but in my opinion, the Bible pretty much says what it says about angels. Uh, you know, you have the guardian. You don't have guardian angels, but you have the uh, you have the archangel. You have uh, angel. You know, the, the angel of the Lord. Uh, you know, representing people who were sent messengers sent by God. Um, you know, sometimes I think we forget people forget the idea of the, or the plain teaching that angel simply means messenger. Well, God has sent angels numerous times, and what are they? Well, they are messengers. Uh, they are sent for various reasons, but again, I gotta be quiet. I won't get, get into that whole study, and I really don't want to do that tonight. Uh, but uh, if you're interested in a study of the book of, of or study on 
the topic of angels, uh, let me know in the comments. Let me know uh, through uh, the, our contact page here on bywaymedia.org. And maybe after Revelation, which will be a while, um, maybe we'll look into a study on, on angels. Okay, Revelation chapter 2. Uh, verse 1 says here, Revelation 2, verse 1, to the, angel, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. So, you remember, uh, backing up here for just a second, uh, the stars in his right hand, uh, he walks in the midst of the seven golden uh, lampstands. We see the lampstands as a reference to uh, the churches, um, the the stars there. Uh, let me back up here just a second. The stars, the seven stars, the angels are the are the angels of the seven churches. Um, we think about, and I believe we talked about seven stars earlier uh, in chapter one. Um, Trying to remember, I've looked at a lot of stuff here lately. Um, yeah, verse sixteen. Or explain as many angels in the, of the churches in verse twenty. Um, so again, the the angels of the churches are we're applying them as I'm going to as being local leadership of the of the congregation. Uh, that would mean that they are if they're in his hand. Well, we saw also in his hand he had a keys to the, to, to what was the last one to um, oh. Hades and of death, verse 18, there we go. Uh, and that signified his authority over Hades and death. Well, if he has the seven stars in his right hand, and the seven stars represent the angels of the churches, um, and those angels represent local leadership, that means they are in his authority or under his authority. So simply meaning the seven, he walks, he's walking, he's pictured as walking in the midst of the seven churches, and the leadership of those seven churches being under his authority. He is the head, he is over it. In order to show those that local leadership as being under his authority, he has them in his right hand uh, there in verse 1. So again, he's walking in the midst of the seven churches. They are his churches of Christ. They belong to him. Uh, people, you know, people don't like the like that name, Church of Christ. Uh, they immediately run to a denominational context many times. But Church of Christ shows ownership. It's the church that belongs to someone. What belongs to Christ, um, and yet. We have those today who, who have, you know, we think about the Baptist Church, Methodist Church. Why don't we say it like that? Because they belong to that type of teaching. They belong to the Methodist type of teaching, that methodology. Uh, the Baptist Church, well, it refers to that Baptist teaching. The Church of Christ refers to what? The teachings of Christ. Now, when you say to someone today, if you were to word it just like that, somebody might get upset. But because they would tell you, well, we follow the teachings of the Bible. Um but as you look into it, they may follow some, yes. But there's a lot of things that they follow and do that are not in the Bible. But that's another topic for another time. Um, so verse 1, his picture is walking among the seven uh, golden lampstands, among the seven churches. Uh, he has those seven stars in his right hand, which represent, the, as we said, the local leadership. So they are under his authority there in verse 1. And so he is instructed to write to the leadership of the church of Ephesus. There, chapter one, chapter two, verse one, Revelation two and verse two says here, "I know your works, your labor, 
your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have uh, you have perse- you have persevered and have and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. So verses two and three is the positive, the things he's speaking of. We would say the things they're doing correctly. But you notice, there, you notice in verse 2, he starts off by saying, I know your works. He knows everything they're doing. Which here, he first starts off with the positive things, but then he's going to get into other things here in verse 4 and 5 in just a moment. Uh, works, the, the things they are doing, uh, many good works. He says here, the labor, the labor to accomplish the task of the church, their patience uh, through difficulties, how they could not bear them who are evil. As they cannot put up with with uh, sin or false teaching or false things in any way, um, those who call themselves apostles, you know, there are still some today who say that they are apostles. Uh, you can uh, go on YouTube. Uh, it's not very encouraging to do this, but you'll, if you were to look up or Google apostles in 2021, you probably find some men who say they're apostles. So and so, I've seen their little videos on 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 YouTube and things like that. Uh, very <laughs> interesting, um, but they are not apostles. Apostles were chosen, uh, you know, in reality they were chosen by God, uh, chosen by Christ, and then when Judas betrayed him, they elected the uh, someone in his place. Um, they also had to be witnesses of certain events, which included Christ on the earth. Uh, they had to be they had to be present during his. Um, resurrection they had to be those who saw him after his resurrected um so to say with those being those qualifications just a few there you can't have apostles today uh people you know if someone claims they're apostle you ask them wow so you saw christ after he rose from the grave no they didn't and so they're not apostles uh and we find yet we find those that he still call themselves that um you know, we are disciples in the sense that the term disciple literally means learner. And so are we a disciple of Christ? So there are churches, they call themselves disciples of Christ. And if my memory serves me correctly, disciples of Christ are those who have broken away from the church of Christ, from the true church, and created their own denomination and teach some other things that are very interesting. Um but they do not teach the whole truth. Uh, they have a lot of they have some error there. But the name disciples of Christ is biblical. Uh, it simply means learner. So they are learners of Christ, and yeah, to some degree. Um, but that's not fully accurate. You know, there's a lot of terms that are applied to. Well, there are a few terms that are applied to denominations today. They're not inaccurate. They're they're not uh, unbiblical names. They're just applied to the wrong group. You know, the Church of God. That's not a I mean, it's not wrong. Uh, does the church belong to to God, to to, to Christ? Um, I think you could say, yeah, that's not a unbiblical name. You know, reference to uh, there's reference to there in the book of Matthew. Those who are it's called uh, it's reference it's, um, to those who are of the way, and it's a reference to Christians. So, could you biblically say? You are we're one of those who are of the way. Yeah, I want to go put that on your church sign and say we're we're the of the way church. <laughs> um, biblically speaking, I know I would know what that meant. Others may know, but we put that on the sign the Church of Christ because we're the church that belongs to Christ. There's a reason we put that up there. Um, 
But again, um, there are those who call themselves apostles. They are not truly apostles today. It's impossible to be an apostle today. Apostle today, but it is possible to be a disciple today, to be a learner of Christ. Um, verse three points out how they called out those tested them who say they were apostles and found out found them to be liars. Shocker, right? People even during this time period were lying about being an apostle. Uh, I think they were lying about other things. I think they were lying about having miraculous abilities. Um, I have no doubt they were. I mean, what we see today in the denominational world and, and those who call themselves to be Christian, the same stuff we've seen, you know, all the way back in, in New Testament time, in, in the time of the apostles, in the time of the true apostles, the time of uh, you know, the Old Testament. Those who claimed to be something that weren't. I mean, Simon the sorcerer, what was he claiming? That he had abilities, which he didn't. Um, and so, you know, we think about that today. We have those like Benny Hinn and, and others. I just say him because he's the first one that pops to my mind. He claimed to have miraculous abilities to be able to heal people. If you ever watched his little program, they hobble on stage and they hobble off. Um, you know, and they say, well, your faith, you know, you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. But blah, blah. Anyway, whole other topic. Um, but they found these individuals in verse 2 to be liars. And he says that in verse 2. Verse 3, And he had persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and not become weary. So everything they have done, he says, you have labored for my name's sake, which means you have done these things for me. You have done these things in the name of Christ and in the name of the church. Now, here's where things get interesting. Verse 4, he says, Nevertheless, <laughs> so even though you're doing all these great things, verses 2 and 3, there's some other things you need to consider. He says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. That's very interesting to see that after he says in verse 2 and 3 how they have had patience, how they couldn't, can't stand evil, how they you know, found those who claim to be something that they're not and called them and labeled them liars as they truly are, uh, how they have persevered through all these different hardships. He has this problem here with them when he says, you have left your first love. Um. He doesn't say specifically what that first love is. Verse 5 gives us some insight, though. Look what he says. Remember, remember from where he have fallen. Repent and do the first works. First works. This would seem to imply the basic things you should always be doing. You know, we sometimes refer to them as, as you know, we use the phrase first principles sometimes. But that's not what he's talking about here. First principles is usually reference to... Um, Bible teaching, you know, someone who's, who's a new convert will go, sometimes go into a class called First Principles, and it's about basics of the church and things such as that. And perhaps that's some of the things here, but he mentions specifically how um, they are to remember these things. He says, remember, he says, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Things get real serious real fast, don't they? I mean, he he he, he encourages them in verses two and three. Um, you know, really commends them for their actions, and then he says in verse four, "But there's something else. You have left your first love. Uh, remember, therefore, for from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works." Now, some have said. Uh, they could have lost their zeal or enthusiasm. I don't really know if that's the the case. Because verse 2 and 3, they look like guys who are pretty zealous when they call out apostles and label them liars when they're, when they're found to be, li- uh, found to be uh, not truly apostles. Um, they have endured hardship. Um, 
And maybe they're not zealous in certain areas. I don't know. The, the text does not say what that first love is there. Um, but they are called out to, to return to those things which they had done uh, previously. Now, you look here in verse, uh, let's go back here again. Let's look at verse uh, 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Um, again, what are those first works? Uh, here, these works uh, that were done prompted by the love and burning desire they first had, so they ought to return to that type of love. Again, most commentators that I have read uh, apply this to, to a lack of zeal or to a lack of love. Um, that could be part of it. But whatever those first works were, um, you know, I don't, I think of this, I think of first works. I think of evangelism. I think of of uh, loving, you know, brotherly kindness uh, towards one another, uh, and perhaps that's what we talking about here. It's it's one thing to um, I've said it before. It's one thing to preach the truth and then not call out error. Well, they are calling out error, uh, and so it seems like that. I don't believe it's not teaching the truth and it's not calling out error. It's perhaps it's the evangelism side of it that first work. What's the most one of the most basic concepts that the church should be involved in? Reaching out to people, evangelism. Uh, that could be that some of those first works. Again, the text doesn't say it's open to interpretation what those things are. But notice here in verse five, whatever it was, it was enough for Christ to to, to say the following, or else I will come to you quickly. This is the latter part of, of chapter two, verse five. I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, what does that mean? Well, we already said that the churches have candlesticks. And only those who have candlesticks are recognized as a church that belongs to Christ. We saw that end of chapter 1, beginning of chapter 2. He's standing in the, mid, in the midst of the golden seven golden lampstands, which represents the churches. And so if he's going to remove their candlestick, it would seem to imply that you no longer be recognized as a church that belongs to me. You'll just be a group of people who have lost their way. Um, and I add that last part because that's what really has happened. If he removes their lampstand lamp from its place, they're no longer a part of the church. They're no, they're no longer a representation of the church of Christ on the earth. They're not doing what they should be doing. They have left that first love. They will not repent, as he says in verse 5, and that's what's going to happen. Now, we think about that today. Are there people today, and some of you may be watching saying, yes, we've seen this a hundred times, and maybe you're, you're, you're watching this, you're thinking, I never thought about this, or maybe there are some like this. There are those who have Church of Christ in their sign, but inside, listening to their teaching, and trying to be a part of their worship, their worship during uh, the Lord's Day service, you recognize this isn't a church. This isn't book, chapter, verse, worship. This isn't truth that's coming out from the pulpit. This isn't truth that's coming out from this Bible class that I was a part of. What's going on? Friends, those who, who are doing, those congregations who are doing those things, who are not teaching the truth, who are not worshiping God in spirit and in truth, who are not including those five avenues of worship in their worship on the Lord's Day, 
those who are refusing to call out sin and to ignore it. As we find here, these individuals are doing that, but they have some other things they have to work on. He commends them for that. So obviously that's something we should be doing as well, as we find elsewhere in Scripture. Elsewhere in scripture. But friends, when people aren't doing, when a congregation isn't conducting itself according to the pattern found in the New Testament, their lampstand, whether they like it or not, will, will be removed if they don't repent. The sign can say Church of Christ, but it doesn't mean that's what Christ sees when he looks inside. And we find there in verse 2, that's what he says. He says, I know your works. And he proves it by saying all those things he did, all those, all those things that they've been doing, verses three and uh, verses 2 and 3. But then he also tells them they have a problem, verses five, verses 4 and 5. He says, but this you have, verse 6, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, the deeds of the Nicolaitans, this is another compliment. So he cut, he builds them up, warns them very, very sternly. I mean, how can you say that when he says, I'll remove your lampstand? That's a stern warning. Excuse me. Then he says in verse 6, another compliment, another commendation when he says, but you have this, this you have, and you have this to your credit, that you hate the deeds of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Uh, so they were opposed to the Nicolaitans. The Lord also opposed these people. The name Nicholas is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Balaam. And, it's pro- and it is probable the Nicolaitans of, of Ephesus uh, were the same as those of Pergium who held the teaching of Balaam. Uh, these men were teaching that liberty in Christ permits a person to do what he wants with his body. The, the Nicolaitans were probably dualists, teaching that flesh is, is by nature evil of the devil. Uh, that is of the devil, while the spirit is of God. For them, a person can do what he willed in the flesh, so long as he served God in the spirit, in his spirit. Um, so, again, they separated the body and the spirit by saying, you can commit sin with your body, just make sure you're following God. Make sure your spirit serves God. What? How is that possible? What's not? That's why Christ tells us in the gospel accounts that you cannot serve God and man. I mean, you cannot serve him and the world. Um, and the teaching of the Nicolaitans, if it, if this is properly applied to this dualist idea of, of you know, being able to uh, do whatever you want to with your, with your flesh, because by nature it's evil of the devil, so long as your spirit uh, served God, so long as, as you serve God in the spirit. How, how can you... You know, just reading that, I think, how is that possible? What's well, not? But yet, to be honest, there are people today who try to do do that exact same thing. They believe they can go out and do whatever they want, but, you know, so long as they come and worship God on Sunday, I say worship God in, in quotations, uh, then that's going to be okay. We still see that doctrine today. Maybe, well, we may not call it the doctrine of the, the, uh, the Nicolaitans, but we still see it today. It's that selfish doctrine of, I'll do whatever I want, and I'll come and sit in the pew and go through the motions on Sunday. We sit all too too often. Look at verse 7 of Revelation chapter 2. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Okay, so Christ again emphasizes to the church that they listen to his words. Overcome means to conquer, get the victory, or prevail. However, those who overcome will be able to go to paradise, a part of the Hadean world uh, where righteous people go when this life is over. 
we will be able to go to heaven and eat of the tree of life forever. As we also found in Revelation 2, 22, verse 2, we know that no one goes to heaven before anyone else. We go to the Hadean realm, here reference to paradise for those who are righteous, uh, torments of those who are not. And then we all go to judgment, and then we go to heaven, the righteous do anyway. Uh, and so that's how he ends that first section there with uh, the church, uh, their Ephesus. Now, we're not going to go any further. We're actually going to stop there uh, when we come back next time because there's just simply too much to cover uh, and you know, try to keep us at 30 minutes or close to. And so I'm not going to start another section here that we're going to have to just stop after one verse. And so we're going to come back next time, Lord willing, and we'll pick up in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 8, looking at the church in Smyrna. And so I do thank you for being here with me today. hope you enjoyed this Bible study. I hope you'll share this with others. and hope to see you again next time.